Ding, 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 ding. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of The podcast in which a group of The podcast in which a group of B-Side. All right, and welcome back to B-Side. Today we have a very exciting B-Side. We have our first guest ever on B-Side. Uh, you will recognize this guest from an upcoming episode, so maybe you won't recognize her quite yet. Our Marie Antoinette episode. And this is the great and glorious Roxanne, who is here. Hello, thank you for having me. Yes, indeed. Uh, Roxanne will be joining us on our B-side episode. Uh, excuse me. On our Marie Antoinette episode, which is coming up in a few weeks. I'm not quite sure when that premieres. But it's going to be coming in soon. And that, if you can hear that, I don't know if it's on the mic, is our third member today, Pearl the Cat. Pearl is a lovely cat. She comes from, I believe, Willimantic, Connecticut. And she is white, gorgeous, and known for being the most pretty cat in the history of the world. You've never said anything more true, Thomas. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Good start. Good start. So... Today, we're going to talk about Tenet. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, we saw that together last weekend, and we thought we'd, we'd jump on the, the hype and do a quick podcast for B-Side on this Phil? movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this lovely movie. I feel like, it was, well, it is. it certainly is a film. It right? is that. Yeah. We, we saw it on. Yeah. It, it's definitely a, a movie. In a movie. Um, and I wouldn't say that it's bad. Okay. Um, that it's it's not... I, I, I just don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is part of the idea, right? And part of Christopher Nolan's whole, you know, MO. It's like, oh, did you get it? Isn't it weird how I blew your mind just then? Um... Pearl agrees. Yes. Uh, so it it, but there there even got to a point with that movie, where I was sitting in the theater and I just decided to let it wash over me and just, I was just willing to accept that I didn't really know what was going on. There's a lot of talk about temporal pincers. Yep, pincers. Right? Yes. Right. That it's that a pincery movie. That that phrase was thrown around a lot um and and i can't remember the name of any of the characters um, so many of the the most important one doesn't have name you you checked he yes yeah. he's just known as the protagonist okay well, at least we were mm-hmm. you know right all right yes. fair J- john david washington um denzel's son oh i had no idea yeah yeah he he has no name his character oh okay yeah. or discernible features either. Oh. <laughs> it, it, well yeah no except mm-hmm. nope i yeah i got nothing <laughs> okay so my uh, thought is let's jump into the plot a little bit and see if we can that's the most confusing part tom let's talk a little bit about the plot and then our responses i think it's fair to say both of our responses were less than enthusiastic yeah i mean i typically when i go and see a film i like to have like a solid grasp on it um plot wise i mean sometimes i guess it's fun to be a little confused um this one um 
I was still interested and engaged, I think, a lot of the time. I'm not really entirely sure why. It might have just been because there was some kind of end of the world situation that, you know, and, and you know, as a human of this world, I, I don't want to be ended. Um, so I guess there were, yeah, in terms of those stakes, I guess I was invested. <laughs> That's it. I'm glad you don't want to be ended. But like, how does it begin? Okay, so getting into the plot, I, I've taken some notes to, to help us. So the uh, the movie begins in the opera. Right. So the, this yes. movie, it starts in a Ukrainian opera. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens is we see a, a, what looks like competing SWAT teams that are going in. Now, one of them is is hijackers or, or hostage takers, rather. Right. And then they come in... Um, it looks like the Ukrainian special service or whatnot knocks everyone out with a, a, a kind of a, a sleeping gas, right. which the hostage, hostage takers are prepared for. They have mm-hmm. the masks on. Um, and then we see an ulterior alternative SWAT team. Yeah. Which comes in. Alt-SWAT. Alt-SWAT. <laughs> yeah, Alt-SWAT. <laughs> so Alt-SWAT. And this is where we meet the protagonist for the first time. Right. And he's one of the Alt-SWAT guys. And they go in, too. And Alt-SWAT is looking for some guy. right? Some guy, some some VIP. Um, and they find the VIP in one of the, the specialty boxes, mm-hmm. uh, opera boxes. And they say to him, we live in a twilight world. And then he responds, there are no friends at dusk. Was Do you think that this is a reference to uh, Robert Pattinson's amazing film work on the movie Twilight? Yeah, probably, yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Robert Pattinson is our, our sidekick in this. Neil. Oh, Neil. Neil? Or... Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, Neil. Um, so, but yeah, uh, known for Twilight. I'm sure that is an exact reference to... <laughs> Because I looked that up, I don't think that phrase comes from anything. I, I, I just hope that they were trying to troll Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. I think, I hope everyone is trying yeah. to troll Robert <laughs> I hope Pattinson. they're like, we're never going to let you forget this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they get the VIP, and the VIP has a weird little box thing that looks like a collection of magnets. Yeah. Right? I'd say that. It looks like that. They don't know what it is. They go to get out of there, and then it seems like another group, Alt-SWAT Part 2, <laughs> attacks Alt-SWAT, and one of them goes to shoot um, Denzel Washington's son. Okay. <laughs> the, the protagonist. Right. Or, or... Indeed, as he refers to it as later. Yeah, he yeah. refers to himself as the protagonist. Um, <sighs> I prefer Washington Jr. Oh, or, yeah. Or just Jr. for sure. So they go to shoot Jr., um, and then we see a, a guy with a backpack with a little red tassel on it. Right. Shoot the guy who's going to shoot him. But it's weird because the bullet seems to come out of one of the chairs and <gasps> through the assailant. <gasps> so, oh, could this be a thing that I was confused about? I was like, huh, that's pretty odd. Yeah. So that's when we're introduced to that. Um, and that red tassel sure sure makes the rounds in this picture. Indeed. Um all right, so that was that opening scene, and I, I fairly liked it. The, yeah. the opening scene. It was exciting. It it, was, it, yeah. it did kind of feel classic Nolan in some ways. Um, there's a lot of movement. It's a big space. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people. 
Um, and there's a lot of things happening happening in very rapid succession, and every single frame means something extremely important. Mm-hmm. Like there's, it's a puzzle from the beginning, and he wants you to understand it as a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, which it just reminds me of, um, like in uh, Dark Knight, uh, Dark Knight Rises, right? The third one with Bane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of like the the scene where uh, where Bane is gonna blow up, you know, everything or whatever. Um, and suddenly it just becomes this kind of orchestration of people moving from one place to another. It's like, do you see how all of this is being coordinated? Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I thought I was like, I'm not entirely sure what's going on. Um, those poor folks didn't get to experience their nice night at the orchestra or the opera house, whatever. Um, you know. Yeah, I, you know, I think the, the visual of the unconscious people was interesting yeah. watching these people kind of have to scale over these unconscious people mm-hmm. um i i think in so i like the setting even though apparently soviet architecture you know, just just a little grim <laughs> that was one of the grimmest looking opera houses well if you're going to go to the opera you better not actually have any fun yeah yeah i sure yeah <laughs> why not if you go to the opera it's, it's about suffering it's it's about the prestige of the nation okay yeah, it's it's not about having a good time. It's about the prestige That's Soviet, of the nation. Soviet oh, opera. Soviet opera is about the prestige <laughs> of the nation. Of, of I think of the international worker more like it. Indeed, Indeed. Well, of course. But um, so so we have that that was that happens, um, and then our our hero Junior, right? He gets captured mm-hmm. at the end there. He gets captured and he's tortured on a train track. Right. Um, along with his buddy. Right. Another person. And the buddy holds out a what, what looks to us to be a cyanide p- uh, pill. And then Junior jumps forward, bites into it, and wakes up some indiscriminate time later, mm-hmm. um, having discovered from a guy in a suit that he has passed a test. Right. right. And the, the test is, is he willing to make the necessary sacrifices and apparently the whole thing was a test right yes and yeah and he (laughs) he the 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 part with the afterlife that was a part of the um trailer if i remember correctly so when i first saw it um the the trailer i was convinced that this was going to be a movie uh about some kind of like otherworldly ghostly SWAT team and I saw the movie and I was very disappointed that he wasn't dead yeah no it's it's very disappointing that he didn't die <laughs> in the first 15 minutes well, I thought what a plot twist yeah, yeah I, I did have to pee during the uh, during the film so I was a little disappointed also but <laughs> no he makes it he, he makes it into the um, he makes it into the next scene. Indeed. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and what we discover is that he, uh, that was a test, and that he has passed the test, and now he can join this super cool kids club to save the world. And yep. so he spends an inordinate amount of time on a wind turbine, mm-hmm. living in one, and on also a boat. I thought it was just like an overnight thing. He spends some time training. We see the training montage, right? Him doing the, the pull-ups... 
Do you remember that? Oh, I remember the pull-ups, but I didn't know. I thought he just like went in there, did some pull-ups, went to bed, and the next morning he got uh, up. And... Was ready? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I got the impression. I was given the impression from the the fact that it was a cut together. It was a cut together montage of him oh. doing different exercises. I think that this uh this B side is probably going to be you just explaining the movie to me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll I was in the same room, but clearly was not understanding it <laughs> at a at a real level. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so he does his training, and then um, and then he gets the the magic word. Tenet. Yep, exactly. Tenet. <gasps> Which is a palindrome. If, Indeed, if it you is. Figure that out. Um, and so that's supposed to unlock doors, is what they tell him. We don't right. know what that means. But then he leaves the boat, wind, turbine living situation. Mm-hmm. It just looked a little lonely, honestly. It did. And he goes off to the shore, and there's a car there with GPS coordinates. And he takes the car, following the GPS coordinates, to some some a, a doctor a scientist scientist i mean uh, she probably has a phd yeah yeah, yeah. but you know uh, just not a medical doctor a scientist <laughs> and she explains to him the science fiction aspect of this yes okay so and that involves if i remember correctly that there are there's some kind of catastrophic event that happens in the future um and what has been happening is uh we we she explained this over a few minutes but um they've discovered these pieces of uh detritus from the future that have made their way back into the past because some these objects are moving backwards in time um and it's you know confusing obviously but this is also shown when um if you something that they they take guns right into a gun range and they they shoot but they shoot it shoots backwards it goes back into the gun yeah you Um, catch the bullets right you catch the bullets um so basically um what becomes the the thing that they have to do is prevent this catastrophic event um and i think that was maybe one of the one things that i understood in the film so that was cool Mm mm-hmm yeah, that, that's yeah, exa- that's the general setup is yeah. that there's this potentially catastrophic event, and that we have to, or they have to, or Junior has to to, to stop it, um, and we don't know anything else other than initially they know nothing else other than this stuff seems to be the the stuff that the the quality that makes things go backwards seems to be surrounding bullets that there's some bullets mm-hmm. that are inverted right Right. hence he's able to catch it um and so the clue is let's look at the bullet composition see where they come from uh they come from an arms dealer in mumbai right and so then we have to go to mumbai um he places a call for some assistance to i guess the man in the suit on the boat in wind turbine secret land right it's it's the the structure of this organization is remarkably unclear yeah mm-hmm. yeah and um so they go from there they go to uh, the wind turbine they go from um from the scientist place to mumbai and there he meets neil played by robert pattinson yep yeah 
And they have to, they can't get close to the arms dealer because, you know, the arms dealer. Has a lot of security. Has a lot of security. A really big house and it's very clear. So they devise a catapult machine. It's like a bungee system. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they they kind of are disagreeing as to what exactly one might Mm -hmm. call it. Um, It's kind of a fun little joke that they're having. Mm -hmm. Um, But it launches them from the ground to the top of a damn skyscraper. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, right. That didn't hurt. I think they have to do a little scaling. They, yeah, it like launches them on, and then they have to run up. I remember we were right. both cracking up yeah. at the at the, the, <laughs> the dynamics, the physics of that. <laughs> of like, that. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, it's a kind of a soft landing onto this onto the side of this wall, and they they scale up there. They meet um, the arms dealer, who doesn't seem to know what, what they're talking about, and then and it's discovered that <gasps> the arms dealer is a woman. Yeah, that the arms dealer that the her husband is kind of a cover, and the real arms dealer Priya is the person to talk to right and she gives us the name of satyr and satyr is the uh the problem here right and satyr is played by kenneth branagh who's um mugging extraordinaire yeah general general yacht owning thug yeah and and russian as 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 f too right um yeah. In a pretty stereotypical kind of way, too. Like, he is a Soviet Russian, but all, you know, and, and you know, billionaire playboy. Yeah. Sort of. Which, you know, so a Soviet Russian. And he's no redeemable quality. Right. So that's exactly. what we get from him. Yeah. He is absolutely. Has Human nothing, turd. Yeah, exactly. And he apparently is responsible for producing these bullets. Okay, right. Right. So that let that's let's stop there maybe a second and kind of take it into account because we are we're about eighteen minutes in and we've gotten like act or... one of five maybe yeah <laughs> of of this this movie um so so some features kind of jump out I think already by that point one thing for me that that jumps out is that there is a sort of character austerity in it yeah in the sense that we. The characters are sort of reduced to the least amount of features in order to... They're very functional. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, they're very functional. Um, the protagonist has no name. He's called the protagonist because right. he has no name. I, I think we literally know nothing about him. Yeah. He's an American by virtue, even of his accent. But we don't know if he's working for an American organization. Right. Um, I mean, we learn later what the organization is he's working for. It's actually an organization his future self founds. Yeah, spoiler but, alert. Yeah. Um, oh, there'll be spoilers. Yeah. So. <laughs> You've been it. alerted. You've been alerted. Um, but other than that, he has no defining characteristics and he establishes no... Um, he doesn't really establish any. I think it's, it's it's kind of interesting too that you know he's promoted as the you know protagonist it's explicitly said several times and he i would say the other characters around him even though they also are very pared down characters have far more um defining attributes than the protagonist which i guess is the case in a lot of kind of um you know literary works and films is like you want this kind of um highly relatable protagonist um and this kind of almost takes it to an extreme to the point where you can't mm-hmm. no i mean i don't like using the word relatable because it doesn't really um 
you know, communicate a lot of information. But, um, but with, with the other ones, you, like with Robert Pattinson, I think that he was actually my favorite in that movie, if just because, um, there was a lot of playfulness and, and mischievousness about his character. And, and it showed a lot in his costumes too, which were very, you know, they they weren't like elaborate, you know, costuming or whatever. But um, you could you were getting a lot of his character through his body movements, through the way that he wore his clothes, and through the clothes that he wore, um, too. And then um, a character we haven't talked about yet, and maybe we can talk about her in a minute. Um, she's also, I think, there's a lot of communication about her character through what she wears. Um, but these characters, and even Kenneth Branagh, um, we get a little bit more of their characterization, but still, they're still pretty they're pretty functional characters. Um, but I guess my point here was that, um, that despite the fact that this guy is the protagonist, um, explicitly so, um, there's not many very defining qualities about him, which is the point, right? Yeah. Uh, do you think that it's the, what you're talking about, the the point being there's not a lot of defining characteristics or, or qualities, do you think that's that sort of, um, Luke Skywalker, um, archetypal hero type thing that has been beat to death. <laughs> I mean, if they were going for it, I don't think that they did it well. Mm-hmm. But th- which makes me think, because even like, say what you want about Christopher Nolan, he can be clever, okay. um, even if it's a little heavy handed. Um, and it struck me as if it was, this was kind of a, an intentional play on some kind of anonymity anonymity there i said the word almost mm-hmm. barely um that it was his kind of um lack of identity didn't seem to be kind of that character in which you know the character is kind of so blank that anybody can do a self-insert sort of thing mm-hmm. um because i kind of found myself having trouble caring even to that level mm-hmm. too um the kind of vicarious experience yeah um it's just so i'm I'm not really sure what that's about if if they were going for that kind of skywalker-esque um situation or if it's just um i don't know i don't know yeah i i agree i one thing i noted about him and about really all the characters in the movie is that there is a sort of um, Bond style affection for luxury, yeah. In it, uh, and this we get not not right away because we're well actually right away we're in a, we start in a concert hall, yeah. Um, preparing for what looks to be a symphony, mm-hmm. um, and and so we're kind of right we're, we're looking at an action sequence, but it's it's framed by this kind of high culture space, mm-hmm. and um, even when he finishes, he gets out of this kind of wind turbine area. Um, you know, on the sea, he's immediately jumps into a luxury car and goes to university and uh, where he later, later travels to London and he has to buy very expensive suits, which he spends the movie. Yeah, Michael Caine calls him out on his Brooks yeah, Brothers Michael suit. Michael Caine says your Brooks Brothers suit isn't going to serve. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Precisely. Precisely. And so the... The movie has that, and I know Ian Fleming in his creation of Bond used the name James Bond because he thought it sounded very boring. Mm-hmm. So he could be the um, the the axle against which all these spokes can move. Yeah. 
Uh, and I think that's not exactly what happens with James Bond. James Bond becomes more of an ideal than an, than an everyman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I felt that was possibly the, the, the Ian Fleming conception. That was possibly what was going on, I but wonder, falling short. I wonder if like, and this is maybe informed by later on in the, um, in the movie, once we kind of figure out who he is, is that he... And and this I don't think that this is a good enough like excuse, but maybe it's by way of explanation, um, is that he's kind of this um, anchoring thing in time. Junior, you mean? Junior uh, protagonist. Right. Yeah, yeah, protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a um, thing that the world changes around him, but he does not change that much. He's mm-hmm. kind of constant. Yeah. And to be constant, you have to be very pared down and not maybe have a lot of um features that that might be particularly interesting mm-hmm. um it felt to me though kind of just like a laziness like there was it, it, it's it's a, a maybe a christopher nolan thing there's so much going on and he wants to blow your mind so much <laughs> yeah. that he's not really paying attention to like other things yeah um and it's like hey guess what there's definitely going to be a Michael Caine scene. You know, that's like, that's Christopher Nolan. It's like, it, there's a lot going to, there's there's, there's going to be a lot. And Michael Caine is definitely going to be in it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that this is kind of my problem with all of his movies, and including the Batman movies, mm-hmm. is exactly what you said. There, He's he's not particularly concerned with character. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you need actors to kind of do it do it for him so to speak like Heath Ledger or somebody like right. that who's really going to kind of take the reins a little more right and this this isn't to speak about any of the actors in this movie the, their abilities are whatnot they're, they're not really given an opportunity to yeah take the reins I mean Ledger right. is also working with a, a character that has a, a body of work to, to draw from right um and so Nolan seems already not particularly interested in in kind of building characters and he also seems to have a lot of trouble with kind of human relationships yeah um i i think actually pattinson was my my favorite part of the movie too yeah um because he's he's sort of got a little sly smile on his face he's mischievous he's mischievous exactly yeah and he has you mentioned his alpha he has like a scarf at one point he wears yeah it's a a little little, rakish yeah it reminds me of like you know a guy in the 80s like he a lot of his like shirts were a little bit like billowy Mm -hmm. um and uh and yeah, he just he just seemed he there seemed to be a human element that mm-hmm. he was having a little bit of fun, um, <laughs> which I think also is kind of informed by his character later on. Mm-hmm. He can he has that luxury. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So he can kind of go forward with this with some kind of I, I guess right I I don't know how time works. Go forward. Yeah, he can or go back. Go, well, he is going forward and occasionally going backward. Right. So, <laughs> exactly. So, I, I think that is going to kind of prompt us <laughs> to get to the next part of this this plot, um, uh, because yeah, we probably should have to should explain that. Um, so, what ends up happening is we we know that there's this guy Sator who. As we said before, Russian dealer, he is doing something to these bullets to make them go in reverse. Right. But we don't know. So um, uh, he goes off, he being the protagonist, goes off to 
London to meet with Michael Caine. And Michael Caine, who plays a, a character named Sir Michael Crosby. Um, I didn't catch his name. So yeah, yeah, I, I had to look it up. Okay. I wasn't. I, I am not. I am not super genius. That's. Uh, I, I prepared. Really, Roxanne. Yeah, and um, so Michael Crosby, and he lets him know that there's a woman, Cat, Sartre's wife, who um, Pert was an art dealer. Is there's, an art dealer. Yeah, there's like a whole thing with a piece of art that she might have bamboozled her husband, mm-hmm. and it went wrong, and he knows that she bamboozled him. Um, yeah, it's, and 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 basically she's being blackmailed, right, by right. her own husband, by her own husband, so that she can't leave. Uh, they also have a child together, which right. he's he's also using using that as leverage as well yeah yeah because she um she basically sold him uh, counterfeit art and he'll reveal that right um now there's this whole thing with the artist who apparently his name is on the sartor square that little square which has the word tenon in it right which, yeah which it's it's a it's apparently an acrostic poem, but nobody can really figure it out. Oh, okay. But the, that's why that artist's name is in the movie, <laughs> to oh, reference that just freaking be, square. Just for the reference. For just the for sheer the reference. Sake, because there's no bearing, and we're waiting for it. We're waiting yeah. for the other shoe to drop. How is this related? It's not. It's not. And you even find out that she didn't really, she didn't intend to bamboozle her husband. It was, right. it was the this artist guy, because God forbid anybody should have any kind of actual mischief yeah in them, or any or kind of like complex characterization <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we have, we all have to be she's actually just pure and good yeah exactly and and her husband's pure evil right exactly so how, why are they married yeah well isn't he a bad man well that's how that's, that's what it is that's that's this, this movie yeah if you yeah if you like manichaean characters without defining <laughs> features or last names do we welcome. have a movie for <laughs> do you, you do what you did. <laughs> yeah but so anyway so she he meets up with her and he kind of reveals this. Um, he then meets up with her again in a restaurant because he wants to find out some information. And he finds out that there is something called a Freeport, which is where the art is stored. Now, the Freeport is a place in an airport where rich people can store their art because if you take it into the country, you have to pay a luxury tax on it. And so, the Freeport has this kind of very, um, very secure vault, which is, you know, we learned that if a fire breaks out, uh, they cut off the oxygen to the rooms, which becomes... And, a, they, and they spray a gas. And like they the, spray the, a gas. The, the yeah. gas replaces the oxygen in exactly. the room. Yeah. Right. And so that, which becomes an important plot point later. Right. Um, and we also learn that this guy who knows the art is, is forged is going to this Freeport vault a lot. Sartor. Yeah, and so the 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 bells go off, right, for protagonist. Yeah, that um, well, something must be in this Freeport that we need to find because why is he going to look at this fake art that he doesn't even want all the time? Um, and so that results in a a uh, the first fight sequence, I think. Hey, after the opera house. Because he has dinner with her, and then the thugs come to take her away. Oh, God, yeah, I forgot about that. And then he beats one up with a cheese grater, which was my favorite part of the movie. Oh, right, because they go in the kitchen, (laughs) and and suddenly the staff is, like, gone. Yeah, they kind of clear out. It's like, wow, that was fast. Mm -hmm. I would just be like, hey, I'm trying to try this chili. (laughs) (laughs) This is not your space. (laughs) 
Uh, just for the record, also, that's what? that's often Roxanne's <laughs> response to people. <laughs> she's she's very fond of chili <laughs> and food in, in general. Yeah. Um, but also question. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about this building besides what we've seen. But was the kitchen in the restaurant, or was the yeah. kitchen in the Freeport? No, it's in the restaurant. All right, that makes they, a they lot more sense. The kitchen sequence happens before the Freeport. Right, Because they right. haven't gotten to the Freeport It's fine. Yet. I, it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> like, why does this airport have a kitchen? Yeah. I'm just confused. That's okay. Which is also usually the case. Yeah, so hungry and confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what happens there. Then my favorite fight sequence, he beats somebody up with a cheese grater. And... Then we go from there to the uh, the school where she sees her son. Yeah. And that's when we learn that he, she's very devoted to her son. And right. She's a good mother as well. Yeah. Her son, um, um, Maximilian. Yeah. I think his name's Maximilian. Sure. And uh, there we go. Um, and so then Nell, Neil... I don't know. Goes to the Freeport. You just call him Rob if you want. Robert Pattinson yeah. <laughs> with his scarf goes to the Freeport to um, a- a- acting as a client to see how things work. And they come up with an ingenious scheme to get into the Freeport. And what is that in- ingenious scheme? Um, I don't remember. There's a lot of, uh, I think they're, they're, they're posing as rich people. They are posing as rich people, but... They crash a 747. Oh, I thought that was later. No, this is how they get into the Freeport. But they come back to the 747 later. Oh, okay. When they go back. Oh, so okay. They wow. crash a 747 into the Freeport, which causes the fire alarms to go off, which causes the oxygen right. to go out, which creates traumatic tension because right. they have to get out of the room before the oxygen runs out. Right. And what they find in there is... What looks like a big vault, but has a kind of um, a, a door that seems to turn almost on a on a a pivot as opposed to a hinge. Right. And when they get to that that kind of door, this circular door, it opens up, and two masked men jump out. Right. And one of them is fighting, but he seems to be fighting in reverse. Right. And then Robert pa- and he's fighting the protagonist and Robert Pattinson chases the other one away. Right. And it looks chaotic mm-hmm. at best. Yeah. It it's a fight sequence in which one person is fighting forward and the other person his actions are filmed in reverse and right. played in reverse. Mm-hmm. Um and so they kind of make the grand discovery that uh that this guy has these things that reverse time, reverse time for objects. Yeah, it's it's a relative thing, right? Because mm-hmm. it's always depending on where you are. The it's just mm-hmm. going to be kind of in the negative, sort of. Yeah. In terms of the way that time is moving, mm-hmm. um, because I don't think it's presenting that there's necessarily backwards time, so much as it's just in relation to where whatever side you're on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time is still linear. And if you go into these one of these things, it looks linear. You feel like you're doing things linearly, but you're going backwards. Right. But you're not. It's not like Back to the Future where you you enter a date and you just appear. Right. You move backward. You kind of live backward. Yeah, and then the thing in reverse is also um, 
and we might get to this in a little bit, but mm-hmm. the, the actual um, uh, kind of way of, of existing is also backwards. You have to wear an oxygen tank mm. um, because the oxygen doesn't work the same way. Yeah, because your your lungs are doing things in reverse. Apparently, I guess they're producing carbon dioxide instead of or the air is... It, it does you can't breathe right, <laughs> is the yeah. point and the thing so. is like you can go into the other side and be in a controlled area mm-hmm. in which you can still kind of function normally but as, mm-hmm. as soon as you go out into like the outside mm-hmm. um outside of like an airtight area then it becomes like you got to put oxygen on but i might yeah. be jumping ahead a little bit no that's okay. we can jump ahead yeah I mean, we, we don't have to we don't have to follow the but, plot but, but frankly i don't remember what comes next yeah so Th- that that's another problem with this movie there is like a lot of there's a lot of movement from place to place, and not just movement in, in this action sense. Yeah. But the the Freeport stuff occurs in Oslo. Um, they learn about the Freeport stuff in Oslo after they go to London for lunch, um, and then the there's a there's a lot of scenes that occur on a yacht. The, the main character is a yacht. Yeah. Where is the yacht? I don't even know where the yacht is. It is occasionally in Vietnam. Right. And occasionally in around, wherever around is. Okay, yeah, I just kind of, everything was in some kind of um, single fictional space for me yeah. after a while. Well, that that's... Which might be kind of the idea. I guess it's sort of... But it's sloppy. It's incredibly sloppy. And it actually matters at one point because they, they have to go to, oh, uh, I think they have to go back to the Ukraine. Um where do they where do they go to pick up the thing oh no estonia they have to go to estonia and that's where the the car chase scene occurs and then right they have to go from estonia in a crate an oxygen controlled crate yeah back to oslo yeah in reverse right which is and then that's where you see the second scene of the the 747 yeah because they're in it's the same 747 it's the same 747 they've just gone reversed back to and then they have to continually reverse back in time to Vietnam. So right. it's it's incredible. So the 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 movement of the characters from place to place, I think, is really sloppy. Yeah, and confusing because I mm. half the time I'm like, I don't know where we are. Yeah, but I don't care. Yeah, it's you're you're must you're there mostly for the special effect of the yeah cars flipping yeah it's and, definitely mm. a am i blowing your mind and also yeah. am i blowing your eyes mm-hmm. that was more sexual than i meant it to be <laughs> yeah. but you know i, I don't know what <laughs> what you like to do but that's <laughs> that's fine <laughs> to each his own or her own <laughs> so yeah so we have all of that um and then um What's his name? The protagonist then finally gets an introduction to, to Sater or Sater or Sater. And uh, I think we've said it a little bit differently. Yeah, every time. Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh, who initially threatens to cut off his testicles. Mm-hmm. And then he says, do you like the opera? Which is kind of the indication of, you know, he knows what's going on. Right. And he tells him, based upon the advice that he learned from Priya in Mumbai, mm-hmm. Another location we were briefly, briefly right, in yeah. Mumbai, that um, that there's some plutonium he could get for him in Estonia, and that that leads to the the road thing, um, and so he goes, okay, I'll, I won't cut off your testicles. 
you're here to do business, uh, which is how business works. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Typically, yeah. you refrain from from cutting Cast, off, yeah. you know, the testicles of castration like, or plutonium. Right. All the way down. It's a very odd economy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and so then we get introduced to Kenneth Branagh. Uh, then they go to the um, they go to Estonia. They have the road rage thing, uh, and what ends up happening is that the protagonist and and Robert Pattinson agree to. They call up a group of guys because they have access to a gang, I guess. Yeah, we don't know where these people come and from. That's where Aaron Taylor Johnson comes in. And I think so. That's where right. Aaron Taylor Johnson comes in, unrecognizable with a big beard. Um, I recognized him. Thomas. I did not recognize him, but anyway. <laughs> He comes in and they, um, in mid, in a car going down the highway, in a collection of cars and a fire truck, uh, they steal this box, which is supposed to have the plutonium, which turns out to have another one of those weird magnet things that we saw at the top of the movie. Right. Which, which I didn't make that connection. Mm-hmm. I, he, Thomas informed me of this afterwards. <laughs> I was like, oh, mm. okay, I guess it's continuity. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we'll we'll finish up the plot and talk a little bit about this because uh, I want to hear your your thoughts on, on the movie up to this point. And then he gets it, and then um, Kenneth Branagh drives by with Cat, his his wife. Mm-hmm. He's wearing an oxygen mask, indicating he's he's in reverse, mm-hmm. and he's got a gun in her ribs, and he's demanding he throw the protagonist throws him the the magnet thing. Right. The protagonist throws him the box that doesn't have the magnet thing in it. Um, they go, they finally pull over, they go to, like, what appears to be a vault thing, which has a giant time travel machine or inverter machine mm-hmm. in it. Um, Kenneth Branagh runs in there with his wife. Uh, he's on the other side of a wall where he's talking to the protagonist. Kenneth Branagh's gang is holding the protagonist. Um, and they're speaking, and Kenneth Brown is speaking in reverse, but there's some kind of filter machine. Yeah, it's like a translating thing. Yeah, that lets him know that, you know, he wants, he wants, you know, the, the what they're calling the plutonium. Mm-hmm. But then he shoots his wife right. with a reverse bullet, which right. is almost certainly going to kill her because apparently they have radiation. Uh, what has radiation? The bullets. Oh, that's why it's not going to kill her? It's not that she just got shot in the stomach? Well... I, I think they're saying, like, if you're shot in the stomach, you could live. But if it's an invert bullet, you can't. Unless you go back through the inversion machine, which she does. Right. Which the protagonist then goes back through. And right. they do the the chase scene again. Right. Um, and the protagonist doesn't end up getting the the plutonium, which is the magnet thing. Kenneth Branagh does disappears they get into a crate thing and go still in reverse start right. going to oslo right okay so let's talk about <laughs> all, all of that um and that that action sequence along the so the two centerpieces i think are the 747 and that road action sequence yeah um we see like uh he the protagonist when he goes back uh, down that road He's driving a car and the car flips. Mm-hmm. When we first see the scene, we don't know what that car is, right. but it's a car that kind of flips back into place magically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, th- this is the the first time when we really get to play with the physics of the inversion world in a, in a kind of conscious way. 
Um, and I was wondering what you thought of that and everything else that was happening up to this point. I think there was a lot of me going like, oh, <laughs> okay, now I get it. Um, I think other than other than those kinds of revelations mm. i was mostly it was just just such an intense effort for for some reason my brain was not letting me understand the movie and it was just an effort to understand what the hell was going on because i was just like i don't know what's happening i'm confused <laughs> um so there's a lot of that and like just desperately wanting to understand i'm like i, I, I don't understand why i'm not understanding this <laughs> um <laughs> and uh so I, I guess, um, and I think by that point too, I was getting a little bit tired of things too. I was getting tired of not really understand what, yeah. understanding what was going on. Um, not that things have to be like, you know, um, written out in perfect clarity and it's got to be like this, you know, you know, simple film that's very straightforward. But like it was, it was, I was starting to kind of lose patience, I think, with what, what the very principle of the movie was at that point um so i also when when i heard plutonium too i was like is that a back to the future reference because <laughs> uh, that also has time travel mm. in it um but also you know whatever um so i guess my my main kind of reaction to that general sequence was like oh and um relief that things were kind of coming together <laughs> but then they're like but now we're gonna make it complicated again i'm like oh god i was just catching up mm -hmm. um so yeah i guess it's yeah yeah I, I, it's it's fun in part um but what ends up happening with that sequence too is you end up getting the the aaron taylor johnson stuff right the, that gang mm -hmm. and it's you're Nolan is so interested in for a director who's kind of lauded for complex plots. Right. He's so interested in this one plot line of the inversion and the the algorithm, which we'll, we'll talk about, um, which is really what the plutonium is. Um, it's a machine called the algorithm. He, he's so interested in that that the world building is iron ironically enough falls short. So the world in which we're which we're in, in which there's this kind of organization called Tenant, which apparently has resources to, to stop this thing, he doesn't seem to have the ability to to manage that world. Which it's 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 unfortunate too, because you know, to have a movie that does really, really well I mean there are lots of different kinds of formulas, you know, there's no one correct way to do a movie. But it you know, it's really great if you kind of have a world that you can understand and navigate at some level of complexity. Mm -hmm. Um, also to have um characters that have some amount of like you rooting for them or actively against them, right? You mm -hmm. need to the the audience needs to have stakes in its characters. Mm -hmm. Um and then you need to have a um, an interesting plot that you know that also moves forward or backward or whatever in some kind of um, compelling way as well. And we've all we've got three strikes against it already, right? It doesn't have any of those things <laughs> no. um, because it seems it's so obsessed with the puzzle of this kind of this you know thing like that it is working towards, right? Like it's mm -hmm. um, 
this and I think it's interesting too that this is something that's really built up, uh, it, uh, around this notion of the end of the world too, right? Because the end of the world is always something you know you get with like in 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 Christian religion that the end of the world is always coming, mm-hmm. right? And this this movie is built in such a way that it's like the solution to this puzzle, our understanding, is always in the future, mm-hmm. right? It's the film builds towards our. Um, coming into knowledge, coming into understanding the the end of the film, mm-hmm. right? Um, and in that way, and in and in a lot of those you know structures of belief, there's also perpetual disappointment, right? When that end of the world does not come, when the revelation does not come, and we get revelation, you know, in the film, mm-hmm. we we figure things out, but because like along the way there aren't these other investments in the kind of present of the film mm-hmm. and kind of being able to understand and c- connect. I hate that word, but like um, invest within the different characters or the mm-hmm. plot lines along the way within the film that it takes away, I think some of the pleasure of that revelation right at the end of the movie. Um, so it's a, it's a, it seems to me like it's a movie that's very, I guess, backloaded um, that it's, it's, it's very much invested at, in what is going to eventually be revealed to us. Um, and by the time we get there, um, it's just not as interesting, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's built upon this idea of end of the world mm-hmm. um, structurally. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of one of those like, you know, content form things. It's actually kind of acting out a very problem of what it's um, trying to, to navigate, I guess. Yeah, th- that's a good point. The, the idea of um, looking towards the end of the world and not into the present, investing in this thing that's going to happen and not in what's going on now. Right. And with which kind of saps the present of, of its color. And in this case, the argument you're making, it, it saps the uh, characters, character relationships. Um, the actual film itself. <laughs> the actual right? film itself. Like yeah. I showed up to this for two hours and it's like, but you're, you're so invested in the last 10 minutes of this movie that the, the, you know, two hours before then is just like good grief. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, you, you endure it. Right. Yeah. Which is a very kind of, it seems very, um, puritanical or doomsday cult sort of thing too mm-hmm. right you're so invested in the last 10 minutes of your life that you like you only live for for those last 10 minutes right yeah. that that's i guess my my point is that yeah. that's how this film is built mm-hmm. and it's not doing it any favors yeah and i think i think the 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 term puritan really resonates for me that you just said that that clicked mm-hmm. because i i feel like the even though this movie has investment in luxury they wear nice clothes. They drive nice cars. Wherever it seems like, wherever he walks out of, there's a nice car just there for Ready him, for him yeah. which is never explained. Ba- very Bond-like, yeah. right? Yeah. But there's no pleasure taken in it, right? Like you watch Casino Royale, the, the James Bond movie. And he's Bond luxuriating. Movie. In he's all luxuriating. Of it. It's lovely. He's like, entitled to it. Yeah. yeah, and and you you kind of love the 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 way he's able to throw off a, a you know the type of drink he wants and it's this specialized beautiful drink it's not even a good drink i think that people have pointed out that like if it's going to be shaken not stirred it's going to be a watery martini but i digress okay fair enough <laughs> <laughs> it's a weak martini it's not even a good drink yeah um but you know the same idea is james bond is um and i think this eve is even true with the, the pierce brosnan one too he kind of he he is soft and hard um like he can uh he can 
occupy luxury and indulge luxury and knows it, right? He knows a good champagne. Mm-hmm. He knows a good car. He knows the good caviar. At one point in the movie, he orders caviar. And, you know, he, he can, like, tell you what caviar he wants, which is right. something I couldn't do. <laughs> yeah, and this guy, the main character, he's clearly doesn't is not familiar with this world and also doesn't really seem to care about it. Yeah. It, right? He has to be instructed on how he's clearly not part of it. We mm-hmm. don't know anything about him. But we know that, you know, he, he thinks it's okay to wear a Brooks Brothers suit. It's yeah. like, <laughs> and like, but, you know, he's just like, all right, whatever. I'll, you know, do what I need to do. But oh, there's no enjoyment of it. There's no enjoyment. And Nolan doesn't seem to enjoy it. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to, not, he doesn't seem to be condemning luxury. I think he does. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I think that he does, especially with, um, I, I think it depends on who it's associated with. But I think especially with the yacht. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of panning over the yacht that is on the outside. It kind of looks like, you know, look at this yacht. Isn't it amazing? It looks like a shot from James Bond, right? Okay. Like we're going to mm-hmm. pan over this amazing piece of property mm-hmm. that it's like, I would love to be on that. But when you get into it, it's a dark space. And honestly, a lot of the shots inside the yacht are actually very dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately it's like, it's, it's kind of almost a, um, reversal where you get this kind of bright, shiny, like wonderful yacht um but maybe maybe it's just because it belongs to somebody who is the worst Mm -hmm. um that it becomes this like gross space yeah um that it's luxury but at an extreme cost Mm -hmm. um and so but it doesn't seem i think to it does seem to condemn i think a little bit with michael kane in that scene mm-hmm. it, there it's making fun of him it, it it's it has this kind of american i mean it's literally this. yeah it's, it's yeah so for our audience it doesn't uh the protagonist goes to meet a contact a british contact who knows stuff about the about kenneth Branagh's character mm-hmm. this is how he learns about kenneth Branagh's character and his british contact played by michael kane uh, you know just to, to recap it um basically says you don't look the part to talk to a billionaire buy nice clothes and they go to they're in this hoity-toity club yeah very uh, country clubby but like even more elite yeah even more elite and um they're the people who occupy it seem horror or run it seem horrified yes they're truly it's so very yeah. horrid yeah and it it's very much um this like american in a british space yeah and at one point he orders lunch but before the lunch gets there the protagonist has to leave and he goes you wrapped it up for me? And he goes, hardly, sir. Something like that. Right. I don't think so. Something, you know, and so there is this kind of, um, it seems less condemnation of luxury there than of kind of the hoity-toity. I, but I think you're, you have an interesting point about the, the yacht and about the way in which uh, Sartor has acquired his, his means. Um, that, is, there, that I, is there any connection between, is it Seder or Sartor? Can you... Can you look? Um, does he have a... He is a... Seder. Okay, never mind. My point... Seder. Okay, okay mm-hmm. my point doesn't matter. Oh, my, I, I mispronounce it then. It's S-A-T-O-R, not Sartor. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, Sartor, who is also, I think, on the... I think it's the Sator stone, right? Or the Sator okay. square, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Kenneth Branagh. Yes. <laughs> for, for us. Uh, another problem with the movie: the sound mixing was yeah, a disaster. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And that wasn't yeah. apparently it wasn't just us. Apparently that was 
how the movie was released because a lot of people have complained about that. Really? Yeah. It was just a shoddy job, or it like it's like sh- what what we were going for. I don't know if that's what they were going for, but I think when you have a boat scene and the waves are so loud, you can't hear necessary dialogue. <laughs> you got a problem. You got a problem, yeah. even if it is what you're going for. Right. Uh, but um, but I do think you have a point about the way Sator's luxury is is shown. Uh, he also doesn't seem to. Yeah, everything about him is bad. So in that case, yeah, I, I agree. Um, but I would have liked to see, like, um, protagonist enjoy himself, or do anything. Yeah, <laughs> other than, you know, his job. His job. Yeah, he is. It's a utilitarian film. Yeah. Um, the I I'd still say that the thing that stole the movie was Robert Pattinson's scarf. Yeah, it's the it's the one bit of luxury, the one bit of anything that anybody enjoys. Robert Pattinson right. seems to love wearing that scarf. Uh, but do you want to maybe talk about the the kind of are we even towards the 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 finale? Um, oh, uh, we're getting yeah. We're I think we're close to the finale. Should mm-hmm. we should we kind of finish talk, off the plot? Finish and, off the plot. Okay. Yeah. So hey, let's finish off the plot now that we're about an hour into this. <laughs> um, so they they fail to get the device, the the thing which is called plutonium. When we discover it is we it, it is in plutonium. Clearly, it looks like a battery. So they go back to the Freeport, going backward in time which takes them back to the time when the, the 747 crashes into the Freeport. Right. They go back through, or, or um, Junior goes back through the inverse machine, um, which then reveals that he's the SWAT person who his younger self was fighting. Right. Um, and then they, um, then he goes back through... He's also the person who Neil fought at that one point. Mm-hmm. And then they go off to Mumbai, I guess, to see Priya again, the the arms dealer. Yeah, and meanwhile, Kat is being treated for her injuries. Yes, Kat is yeah. being treated, but she went through the inversion machine, I think, at one point and was able to... Not be radiated anymore. Yeah, okay. and that's how inversion works. And then they healed her and it was... And she's fine. She has a scar, but she does have a scar on her stomach, which becomes a, a plot point right. later. Um, so they go to Priya, and then Priya explains what's going on, which is the uh, um, the this stuff is not actually actually like for a nuclear bomb. It's something called the algorithm, mm-hmm. which was sent back in time by a the, the futures version of Robert Oppenheimer, right? Who developed a an algorithm that sends everything backward and could was so large it could send all of the Earth in in inversion. Yeah, it's unclear. Yeah, but it would basically destroy the world yeah. through inversion somehow. Somehow. Yeah. Um, and that apparently she, the female Oppenheimer in the future, realized the the danger here, divided it up into nine place nine pieces, and then buried it. Right. However, people in the later future who are dying because of global warming want to invert the world to end it well they want to invert it because their world is ending right so they want to invert it so that it ends earlier no so they go backwards so that water is coming back so that global temperatures are going down yeah so they are the ones who kind of send back in time to 
uh, Kenneth Branagh's character the information about the algorithm to put it together. We also send back a bunch of gold so he can make a lot of money. Right. And we discover that he, as a young man, was living in an area where one of these things were buried. And he um, he got a contract as a young man to clean up the city. It had been harmed by nuclear testing. Um, and while testing, he or, or while trying to clean it up, he found this stuff, and that's how he built his billionaire empire. Right. And so he is trying to put it together... And this will end the world. Um, right. What, that's what I didn't understand. Like, they, they sent them will... back mm-hmm. because they want the world to be better to bring back stuff. But if they he puts that stuff together, it's going to end the world? Yeah. I, I think the idea is that if it gets put back together, everything goes in. The, the future will go in reverse and suddenly everything in the future will everything will just be kind of scraped away i'm not entirely sure i was pretty confused because it seemed yeah. like you know if he does that it just means it's going to be the end of the world at that point yeah they, what they what they indicate is so <laughs> another plot point he's dying of cancer from a young man cleaning up the radiation which we learn at like the end of the movie yeah right and he has a a heart trigger so if his heart stops somehow the algorithm is triggered and the world ends right so the entire world ends when he dies which is which is the reason why he's doing this is apparently in spite of the fact that he has a son a massive act of narcissism well he also he says it's like you know it was wasn't it irresponsible or a sin for us to bring into uh bring into the world um, a child when we know the world is dying or something like yeah. that. And I was like, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know. <laughs> it's, there's, there's, there's eye roll aplenty here. But that's what, like, another yeah. thing. So it's like, so you, so everybody just kind of wants to end the world now so that the world won't get bad. I think he does and no one else does. Okay. I think he wants to end the world now. And I think the people, what, what will happen, I think the world will end now when he dies right if everything goes according to plan i think for the people in the future the world will go in reverse until it ends and so the problems of the world will go away although it will also destroy the world right mm-hmm. okay now this is cool. part of this could have been clear but with good sound mixing we might have been able to <laughs> this is one of the parts where it was like especially loud exterior sounds right. and and whatnot um so that's the idea what we find out is that if kenneth branagh is trying to actively end the world from messages from the future and it's all based on whether or not he dies right so they, they hatch a plan to do something so there's, there's apparently, what he wants to do is put the pieces of the algorithm together right. and bury it in a mine so nobody can get to it. So when he dies, it then will trigger, somehow, internet. And uh, and that's that. And what we learn at the end is, uh, so they find this out, and then the tenant organization, which apparently has massive amounts of soldiers, right. does a temporal pincer. Yes. In order to get to the mine to grab the algorithm. Um, Which involves like a whole battle scene. Yeah. So what the temporal pincer is, is half people go forward in time, half people go in reverse in time, Mm -hmm. and they meet up in the middle to stop what's happening. And so there's a battle scene in an abandoned Soviet city in which half of the battle scene is going in reverse, half of it is going forward. It's the Brooklyn Bridge scene of 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like this is a metaphor that's not coming together. Mm-hmm. But uh, what's the Brooklyn Bridge scene? You know when uh, I think it ha- I think it happened uh, for all of you movie aficionados out mm-hmm. there. Uh, in Sex and the City, the movie, um, when one of the women was like, if you still want to be with me, meet me at the middle of the Brooklyn Bridge. And they agree to meet on a certain... It's very stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I've seen that movie more than once, and I'm not proud of it. Um, but uh, anyway, that's what I was talking about. And then they spoof oh, it in 30 Rock, too. I see. Meeting in the middle. Yeah. Of the Brooklyn Bridge, because yeah. one is coming from Manhattan, the other one's coming from Brooklyn. Ah. And they'll meet in the middle if they still want to be together after they've had their like trial separation. I see. Okay. And as a spoiler alert, they both meet. Great. Yep. So <laughs> back to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so we are spoiling Sex in the City, the movie. I tell you, I was almost in that movie. Really? I was almost an extra on it. I was actually on set for a while, but they never used me. It's a really good story. And yeah. You should tell it at every party you yeah, go I should. to. I should. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to hear about a movie I wasn't in? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I should be nicer. <laughs> you have to be nicer. <laughs> so, so what ends up happening in this battle sequence is apparently they they have to get to this place where they're burying the algorithm. Um, they, they get there, but the door is locked, and the the soldier is who's apparently working for Kenneth Branagh's character, who has an army of people. I guess you can't really see them in the battle sequence. Yeah. Um, but then there's a dead body on the ground, which has the red tassel that we saw in the, yeah, in the and you're opera like, house. What? And then the the soldier goes to shoot them, and then the body jumps up and takes the bullet, and then opens the door. Right. And then, um, then Robert Pattinson's character rescues them. He pulls out, pulls out uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and um, and the protagonist. They have the algorithm. They break it up. And it's revealed that Robert Pattinson's character is the person with the red tassel. <gasps> and the person who started everything was the protagonist. <gasps> he, now that he has the information, um, he's going to go forward and start establishing these links. And potentially, Robert Pattinson's character is... Maybe the son of Cat? Yeah, maybe. That's what I thought. But then they didn't really seem to drive that home at the end. They don't, yeah. But I was convinced that that's the case. And I honestly, I stand by that. I stand yeah. by it. Uh, yeah, that seems to that seems to be. Because I think um, Maximilian is uh, ends L-L-E-N. And his name is Neil. N-E-L-L. Hmm. Oh, see, that would be a stupid Nolan thing to do. That would be. Yeah, and so we learn in the end that it was that the protagonist is the actually person who organizes Tenet and puts it together. Right, and he was responsible for all the things from the future. Yes, exactly. Future right. him um, is going to start recruiting people for this this right. big job. And then uh, Robert Pattinson and the protagonist, they're like, you know, this is the end of like a beautiful friendship. And for me, the other guy's like, it's the beginning for me. And it's just mm. like, Ugh, okay, yeah. whatever. And then Robert Pattinson, I guess, inverts himself again and goes and gets shot. I guess. Yeah, we so. don't, we're not entirely so we're not entirely sure how he does that. I guess there's an inversion machine just there. Well, I guess there is because half the soldiers inverted themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They also have like big um, uh, shipping containers too that they're like all being transported in. Yeah. With like helicopters inside 
because that seems like the most reasonable way to transport a lot of people. Yeah, it's the I I hated that action sequence. <laughs> I hated it. it. It it's big. It's like you don't even know who they're fighting. Yeah, like you can't until they're in the mine shaft because it's I mean it's like a war zone, right? It's yeah. from like the end of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, almost. I mean, there's buildings exploding and then repairing because we're inverting and right. re- you know blah blah blah. And then um, it's significant at one point that something gets destroyed and then brought up again and then destroyed again. Mm. I I'm like that's significant, but I I don't care. Yeah, I it, you don't yeah you you literally do not see who they're fighting. Yeah, they're just running around, raining chaos upon. What I guess is the Russians' private army, the, the Kenneth Branagh's character's private army. Yeah, it got to the point for me when, I, like, once we were in the scene, I was like, okay, so I don't really care about anything mm-hmm. except I desperately want to know who Robert Pattinson's character is supposed to be because mm-hmm. at that point I was very invested in the fact, like, oh my god, it's her son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I, I was just trying to like figure that out. Yeah. Um. And when they were very like you know wishy washy about it at the end, I was like, well, what did I even come here for? Mm-hmm. This is the twist I wanted. Yeah. I, and I think what they're trying to do in the end, because what happens is Robert Pattinson is going to invert himself and then die, because he's the soldier who, who right. takes Take the bullet, bullet. Yeah. So that they can get the algorithm. Right. So I, you know, um, in the way that the protagonist or, or Washington plays it, he's very teary eyed and whatnot. Right. Um. So I, I guess the revelation is that now he's going to to die. And also that the, you know, the protagonist had organized this thing. Um, but the, the scene is such a mess. You can't follow. I mean, I, it's supposed to be cool that buildings fall down and then come back together again and whatnot. Right. But you can't follow what's going on. You don't know where the mine is that they're supposed to go to. You don't know who they're fighting. I thought that was a, a disaster. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, by the end, I was just like, uh... <laughs> Yeah. And and I guess it was um it was it was like a desperate moment. It was like, holy crap, we're about to get some human stakes in this. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um and I guess you kind of do with the nod to the like it's like I know he's about to go die. Mm. Which didn't click with me initially either. I'm like, what wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think afterwards in the car you were like, Oh, it's the red tassel again and I was like, Yeah, I saw it a couple times and you were like, It happened three times. I was like, What? <laughs> Like, I don't know what's happening in this movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that it was just, like, a desperate search for a kind of human moment. And you kind of get it at the end. But it's phoned in, I guess. Yeah, it, it does. It it feels phoned in. Because it's also, he's more interested in, in the... The puzzle's the been puzzle. solved. We know, yeah. we found out what's going on. And it's and, like, and literally, the movie ends. It's yeah. like, puzzle good, bye. Yeah. And it was like a murder. So a murder mystery work in the same way, right? We figured out the puzzle and the movie ends. But mur- murder mysteries, if they're they're good, they tend to have um, usually tend to have a kind of a sense of levity. Yeah. Um, and it's it's also nice when it's, it's a serial murder mystery type thing. So you we, invest in the characters over time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like a, a Miss Marble or a, a Hercule Poirot. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Where you you have. Um, you have a lot of a capital in these characters from yeah. past works, and so it can move through, move into the puzzle with a lot more grace and a lot more fun because we know these characters right. from from a crude circumstance. Um, and also, you know, characters like Marple and Perot have a, a certain thingness about them. <laughs> yeah, they have they have they have a compelling and odd character. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like another one of the things that the 
the movie is missing. Yeah. Um, like kind of interesting people to invest ourselves mm. in. Um, once again, Robert Pattinson and his scarf stealing the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I agree. This movie is, has none of that. Another thing, uh, let's talk about the our, our female lead, Cat, played yeah. by... She had a lot of potential. I don't think that she was bad. I don't think it was. I just a... don't think that it was a very well-written role. Elizabeth Debicki? Where is this? Debicki, maybe? Debicki? Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Debicki, who plays Cat, the... Uh, Kenneth Branagh's character's wife, um, who's like a very pretty woman. You know, she's she's an attractive woman. She's fine, I guess, in the movie, but there's not a lot. She's the person who has probably the most human stakes in everything. She is. It's very much invested in like it. What? What? Sorry to interrupt you, but like in in terms of the um, there was a there was so much telling in her character. And no showing. Mm-hmm. It was like, she is a good mother. And we know that because they tell us. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, not because we actually ever really see a real moment. Like, we see her picking her son up from school. Mm-hmm. But you don't actually really see them interact very much. Um, mm-hmm. We just know, like, she is mother, therefore good. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what it feels like a lot. There's not an actual <laughs> character there. It's, she is mother, therefore good. I Yeah, I think the only time we see her with her son is... Um... When she's picking him up from school, mm-hmm. and then at the, the end too, in the scene when she's coming back from the from being offshore the, on the yacht, yeah, right. And, unless unless Robert Pattinson is her son, but that doesn't matter. But I don't think um, he's ever on. Sc- yeah, they have screen. a. Couple, oh, do they? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so it's it's just her them telling us that she is good. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than kind of ever really experiencing that. I mean, we, we do have a few moments that we know that, like, we know she is good because she has clearly, she has morals, right? Mm-hmm. She's got a moral compass. Like, um, when he gets beaten up near the kitchen, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's like she didn't want that to happen. <laughs> um, but she also has an ounce of self-preservation. So mm-hmm. it's just like, eh, you know, let's go. Yeah, what is she going to uh, do? Right, exactly. So, um so we're invested in her because we're told to invest in her, mm-hmm. right? We're told that she's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that her statuesqueness and her uh, costuming, I think, does most of the work of the <laughs> acting. And this isn't a slam to her um, because I don't think that she was bad. There's just not a lot of material to work with. And mm-hmm. also the wardrobe was stunning. Um, but, you know, there, there was um, a certain, I think, just flatness to mm-hmm. to that character and a lot of um christopher nolan and at al you know not really making an effort to give us somebody who is um very fleshed out and we don't meet her till like pretty far into the movie right because she's not in any of the initial scenes and all of a sudden it's like we meet her when it because it's like in a video game right mm-hmm. like when you kind of come in contact it, with a character when it becomes important Rather than kind of fleshing things out at the beginning and then kind of pulling strings and bringing in maybe new elements as you go, it's like you've met the person who's going to give you this new task, mm-hmm. right? And then you will complete that task. Um, that's what it felt like. It's like the the protagonist is really, it's he's in a video game in which he's meeting with new people as it becomes necessary for the quote-unquote plot for him to um, meet them, right? Mm-hmm. It's like he gets new tasks, he does this with, you know... Mm-hmm. Um, so I yeah yeah I, I think that's a good point. There there is a lot of like you said she's she's a good mother because she's a good mother, 
Yeah. Because we're, we're told she's a good mother. We don't actually have her as a good mother. We know she's a good person because she didn't intend to cheat her husband out of right. money, even though he Which they also it. tell us, right? Because yeah. we never get to see any of those moments, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we we know her past from what we've been told. Yeah. Yeah, it's an instruction. We never meet that artist right. who she's working with. And, and then, we get to see his past, um, uh, Kenneth Branagh's. Like, we see him. When yeah, we, like, as you know, as, we have moments where mm-hmm. we see his past. Yeah. Um, I think he's actually the only person whose past we ever actually see. They yeah. ever do a flashback for. That's, that's correct, yeah. He's um, the only person with a history. Yeah. This is a movie without history. Right. Everybody <laughs> else is just kind of like... They they show they appear when it's... Mm-hmm. They, they literally come into existence when the plot needs them to. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise, there's and we learn later mm-hmm. that there is a history slash future to these people. Mm-hmm. But because it's happening later. Yeah, we don't get that. Right. It doesn't it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think is interesting in and of itself. Um, kind of talking about how much you you need these. This kind of arc of this narrative arc where you have an investment in some kind of history to an extent. Um, how like good narrative relies to some degree on that right Mm -hmm. um and once you take it so in that way it's interesting but it doesn't make it compelling it Mm -hmm. makes you be like oh you know yeah Yeah. isn't that weird Mm -hmm. (gasps) yes chris it's 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 very it's like it's like you know at the end of um inception when Mm -hmm. it's like the top of the you know right and it's like is it gonna fall Mm -hmm. over or isn't it and it's like oh my god yeah it's the it's the cheapest of tricks because ambiguity can be very interesting but you you know because that's kind of how the world is you know yeah um but when it's it's ambiguity to 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 say you will never know if this is an illusion or not an illusion it's it's a cheap right it's a cheap little thing it's like look it's another puzzle that i'm not gonna solve for you yeah yeah and and a lot of the problem, I think, here is that he does try to solve all of the puzzle. Yeah. He tries to, to create a, a complex enough puzzle, but a fairly linear one, um, in order to solve it. And him solving the puzzle isn't at the expense of everything that that it requires him to expand. It's like watching it's like it's 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 made it so by the by the time he solved the puzzle, I don't care about the puzzle. Yeah, it's it's not that it's not that interesting. I mean, f- first of all, you know, According to the rules of the the movie, it's it's a there's no free will, right? People are kind of set in motion, right? So if the world didn't end at the beginning of the movie, doesn't the world not end? I right? don't know. Yeah. So it seems like even within the rules of the film, the the stakes are are, are kind of lessened, right? Um, you know, and then yeah, and and so I think watching the the puzzle unravel or be explained isn't isn't particularly interesting right um mostly because once we figure out what's in the, the free port right that people can go reverse in reverse in time um you could just fill in the world is in trouble because people can go in in reverse in time right that there's some war in the future that's going to destroy us uh, in this case it's just this one guy can destroy us with a bomb you know it's not yeah. a bomb it's an algorithm but whatever um you know, call it what you will. It's Skynet. It's the algorithm. It's the same right. damn thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so therefore, getting to that last puzzle, figuring it all out, uh, isn't that interesting? You know, are they going to stop the world or the, are they not? Explaining yeah. that, um, actually, the other guy that he fought, the guy dressed like a SWAT person, was actually him. Uh, 
didn't really matter. I'm not even entirely sure why they were fighting. Yeah, I don't know. Like, why didn't he just like, hey, I'm, don't don't fight me. I'm, I'm you. Like, why are they fighting? Right. <laughs> it's it, there's a lot of scenes like that where he's laid out everything, and you're not entirely sure, like who these people are who are coming in to assist them, why certain actions are happening. Um, so it's it's a generally disappointing movie in that sense. Yeah. Should we end on things we like and then eat dinner? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely dinner. De- definitely dinner. <laughs> um, I did enjoy, like I said, Robert Pattinson. I mm. actually I genuinely enjoyed his kind of um, uh, devil may care sort of attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and and his, his fashion in general. Um, I felt like I... The movement of it, it was an exciting movie, even though I couldn't tell why it was exciting a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. There's a with with Nolan and I also think with um, the present conditions for anybody who's listening to this. This is in the time of covid. Yes. And this is the, yes and in a world, in a world where movies are dangerous, <laughs> which kind of literally true. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a big, big Hollywood movie. Uh, that going to it felt like doing something normal again. Yeah, I think that was cool. I liked being yeah. in the movie. Th- I liked that the seats had seat warmers. Seat I warmers was so were, cozy the yeah, whole time. You were very cozy. Yeah, it was amazing. But it, yeah, and it's also a big Hollywood movie that people are talking about. Being part of that, yeah, is is enjoyable. The shared experience, yeah, of, like yeah, of I, the blockbuster. One, one thing I actually think I did the whole COVID situation and not really seeing a movie on the big screen or seeing a big budget movie in a while, because if you know me, I mainly watch, um, modestly budgeted British television and film. It's Mm. just what I like, whatever. It's fine. Um, but it was the first time I had seen this kind of movie on a big screen in a while anyway. Um, but I haven't seen any movies since what, like February, I think was maybe the last time I saw a movie and then everything, you know, like shut down and I saw little women, Right. So it was like, you know, it was a it was a period drama. It was not this kind of film. Um, And when I when it was just like this orgy of special effects and it just became clear, it's like, why are you spending so much money on these effects and on these kinds of like, oh, wasn't that a neat car flip? And like, look at this plane going in reverse and all this kind of stuff that I was just like, kind of like, like, what is the point of this? Like. I, I, it's not, it's nothing against a big budget movie because I enjoy plenty of big budget movies. I get mm-hmm. it and I love them. And, but it felt like, it felt like a lot of waste to me for some reason mm-hmm. because it was a lot of this big budget c- CGI sort of nonsense that centered around nothing. Yeah. And, and, and in that way, for some reason, it just made it feel kind of wasteful. Um, not that like, it's like whatever, right? It's, Mm -hmm. I mean, when I say wasteful in a, in a fairly careless way here, it's not like literally wasteful. It just felt like a, this had the potential to be cooler, Mm -hmm. especially considering the budget Mm -hmm. and what it's trying to do visually. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not doing that. And that sucks. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, I think the, the fight sequence between, um, Washington and Washington was, interesting i think a lot of the reverse stuff was yeah really not that compelling um i there's a lot of hype about the 
the that battle scene in the end about seeing it collapse and, and reform. Yeah. Um, I, I don't quite understand what that that hype is. Yeah, it was I, fine. I you know I'm I was. Sh- Sure, there's a lot of people with clipboards making sure that the, the, that things were positioned correctly and whatnot. Yeah, but I'm I, sure that it was it was a <laughs> logistical nightmare. Yeah, but I, I don't I I don't know about you out there, but logistics are not the thing I think of when I go to the movies. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember you saying too at the end of it, it's like it's like, do you want to see wait to see if there's anything at the end of the credits? And I was like, no, we're leaving. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care about this. <laughs> I know we saw, said we would end on things that we liked, but like. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the scarf. I did. The mm-hmm. scarf was good. The scarf was good. He also had a pretty good pair of pants. It might have been in the same thing. They were yeah. like a very kind of billowy mm-hmm. pair of pants. They seemed very stylish. Like yeah. they were very, like the person who picked those pants had a personality. And if we're <laughs> assuming that Robert Pattinson's character, Neil, was the one who picked those pants mm. and not the costume person. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like that person clearly has a lot of personality. Yeah. They, they know a good pair of pants. And I'd say the last thing, I would like to see Washington in other things, the main actor. He seems like a uh, kind of sweet guy. Yeah. He seems like a real open guy, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems very different from his father in terms of his kind of on-screen persona. Yeah. Uh, was, yeah, I had no idea until yeah. you told me that that was, mm-hmm. that was his son. I would never have made that connection. Yeah, me neither. Um, but I would like to see him in a role that would actually allow him to... To leverage his strengths. And yeah, those, yeah, exactly. Yeah. As opposed to... Just him being there. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. showed up. Ch- and the thing is, like, even for, even for just showing up, you know, we liked him. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. weren't maybe connected to him. We didn't mm. really have a lot of motivation surrounding him. Mm. Or, it, you know, it's hard but... to have sympathy for somebody who has... Yeah, he, no connection. Yeah, but he or, was or no. he was good. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he he's a compelling person. Yeah, I think a compelling actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it'd be good to see him in something that does him a little more justice. Indeed, agreed. Any other thoughts before we close out today? Um, no, but thanks for having me on the show. I enjoyed complaining about this movie with you. I enjoyed complaining about this movie with you. We should do it again. We shall. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone. This has been B Side.